Previously on Revenge of the 80s Kids. Okay, I'm going to carefully pick the lock. D20 in hand. Here we go. Oh, oh, wait a minute. It's gone off the table. Hang on just a second. No, wait, Justin. There's a pencil balanced precariously on the edge of the table. And now, the conclusion. Revenge of the 80s Kids has been rated P for podcast. Gentlemen, we have a problem. I simply must know how that situation resolved with Justin and the precariously balanced pencil. Justin, are you okay? Oh, you're fine. Oh, good. That's all over with. Oh, all right. Then, Liam, so, uh, I think that was a satisfying payoff, the arc there. Uh, I'm glad that uh, we took the trouble to do that. So, yeah. We've great. also set things up for next series as well. I think that's the important thing. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Question mark. Yeah, to be continued. Or, no, the end. Question mark. Whatever. I don't know. So, yes, so, um, yeah, you're right, actually, arcs are rubbish. You wait ages for the payoff, and then the payoff comes, and <sighs> there we go. We've done our right. own version of Battlestar Galactica <laughs> right there. Um, hello, everybody, I'm Leo, and I'm one of the 80s kids. Hello, everyone, I'm Ian, and I am another one of the 80s kids, but I am not alone today. And jumping on the 80s kids bandwagon, it's me, Justin. Hello. <laughs> Welcome back, brother. Let me let me hug you. How are you? Did they treat you well? Did you eat right? <laughs> I... <laughs> eating? Eating's wimps where I was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I believe that people traditionally at these events subsist entirely on crisps for several days. And the fumes of plastic dice. <laughs> Power drinks to keep the energy going. Um, Come so, on, yes, we're to our eighth hour. We haven't even cleared the dungeon yet. <laughs> we've we've uh, looked back now at, what, an entire week. So now we're going to look back even further in this week's uh, 80s Kids episode. Um, although we, we, we make a habit of looking back. So uh, this is this is probably like underwhelming to our, our massive powers of remembrance because we're only going to look back over the summer that was. At the beginning of the summer, uh, oh, how long ago that was that Justin was not even part of the podcast at this time. We did a little kind of summer preview, uh, shared our feelings about what we thought was going to be big this summer. Although we did actually, because Hollywood has decided to move summer up to the end of March, that's what it seems to be, we had already missed the release. We knew, you know, Iron Man 3 and Star Trek, we knew the, the sort of the buzz about that. So we kind of were playing catch up. We did a sort of, oh right, okay, summer started quick, let's, let's look at the rest of it. So next year, hopefully, we'll be able to do something a little bit more organized and, and get in before any of the big tent poles come out. But now we're going to look back all together at, uh, at, at the summer that was. And I think, Ian, you, you've had some particularly, um, particularly relevant thoughts about this. Uh, if you were to sum up summer 2013, 
maybe in a few words. What what would those few words be? Uh, maybe a noise, maybe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, the, the well, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but um, it's been surprising, well, not surprising, um, how well certain films haven't done. And, it, and taking a certain schadenfreude from that, uh, and hopefully there'll be change. I doubt it. It's Hollywood. Um, but I'm, I'm hoping that maybe we, we could spike some of these over-bloated budgets, budget films we've been getting. Maybe, maybe uh, so. Maybe so. I mean, I, I, would, I would concur that 2013, summer 2013 was the summer of the disappointment. Not maybe. I don't. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. I've had some pretty disappointing summers in my life, Leo. It's a strong comp- comp- competition going on there. What, I'm, <laughs> what I'm going to say is, in fact, well, thank you for that. The <laughs> feeling from the business end that is Hollywood, they were like, "Oh, this is disappointing. That's disappointing. Everything's disappointing," with a couple of notable exceptions. Whereas, um, in fact, the audience i think sometimes they were happy and sometimes they weren't quite so happy i think if you contrast it to last summer with the avengers and all that i think there was a general thing i remember last year was the year that sue and i went to the cinema and we had a streak of enjoyable cinema experiences that went from one particular film and then it lasted all the way through to another particular film and yeah. it's like, wow, we've built up a streak of going to the cinema and not coming out going, eh. whereas this year, that wasn't even worth doing because it wasn't going to happen, really. There was quite a lot of, that was all right, wasn't it? You know, and that was all, that was terrible. You know, it, it was very patchy compared to last year. So Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, if it was like episodic, like a TV, like it's just coming through down the TV, it would be fine. But I've got to pay $16 every time I go to the cinema. And I think that's been affecting a lot of people. What's um, that in? Th- what's that in? You in old? What's money? that in real money? Um, let's let's ask Mr. Google, the resource of all knowledge. Meanwhile, while it's... you're checking that out, Justin, how did you <laughs> feel that? How was the summer for you? Look, I uh, I thought it was okay. I mean, I can't agree with you. It wasn't outstanding. It was okay. And what I noticed was having going to cinema with a, generally a, a few people each time. There wasn't any kind of with maybe a couple of exceptions, there wasn't any absolute consensus. People were going, yeah, it's great, but there was a lot of that going on. Um, yeah, yeah, but... Uh. So it, it wasn't like people were flying as they were coming out of cinema going, oh, my God, that's, like, so so much better than X, Y, Z. Um, so, yes, it did feel like it wasn't it wasn't the perfect year, really. It had some points in it, but, it, but there was a... a little, um, well, that could have been better. So yes. an, interest, an interesting year because there's a lot of it was a lot of potential things, and some of the things didn't quite hit the mark. I thought. Yes, um, I should possibly take this opportunity uh, to explain something which we're not just taking all of cinema as it was over the summer um, into account here. We have a list uh, of of films which we uh, picked from, which I kind of identified as the tent poles of this this year so we left out you know um things uh, well lame is no no summer things as well we left i left out anything that came out actually we've got a date for it before iron man 3 so they didn't come into the the equation um 
so we're looking purely at the summer tent poles, and I've left out animations and things like that because that's not really our topic area. So um, our list is 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 made up of those things which were intended to blockbust for the average genre loving adult in 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 uh, you know the US or the UK or Australia or wherever in in the globe of cinema <laughs> viewers. This year, uh, what's quite interesting is that the list of tent poles does, in fact, include mostly all the things that you would expect. There are a few animations in your actual top ten of highest-grossing films, and one surprise entry, which I know about and Ian knows about, but I shall keep it a mystery for oh, Justin so that he can figure out what it was. Yes, there will be an issue to discuss at that point. Okay. Ian, sixteen dollars in UK money. Uh, it's about ten pounds a wow, that's a lot. in the in the UK and the Isle of Man. Wow, that's a lot. That's yeah, that's it's... actually more than you actually pay to go to the cinema if you don't have one of our magic subscription cards that yeah. we have from a popular cinema chain. You'd still pay less than that as long as you weren't going for three D or IMAX. Um, it, it just... Yeah, that's regular. Most... IMAX is more than three D yeah, is a yeah, lot more. Obviously, obviously. So yeah, I mean that's quite. So you're actually getting quite. You know, no wonder piracy is rampant when yeah. certain countries are having it, it are well not having to, but are charging that much for people to go to the cinema. Um, yeah, and it's also not a five bucks for your diet coke as well. So you know. Yeah, it's it's pretty. Yeah, that's that's pretty lame. Yeah, lame all round. So uh, on that depressing note, which I think <laughs> kind of sums up the summer in a in a in a nutshell, uh, our number fives. Uh, Justin, do you want to kick us up? What's you you got at number five? I've got the Wolverine. You've got the Wolverine, and what have you got, Ian? I have Star Trek Into Darkness. Oh wow! And I have a uh, Pacific Rim. Now, if I go really? down, <laughs> I don't. You couldn't see them, but I. I, I don't want to go eyebrow. there with you, Ian. I, I don't want to go. One of us is going to be heedlessly wrong because, yeah, okay, <laughs> okay, fine. Uh, the fifth, the fifth on the list that we have. Um, is Star Trek Into Darkness. So on the li- out of our list, the fifth most highest grossing film was Star Trek Into Darkness. So Ian was, Ian was spot on. Uh, that I, took, I, I'm surprised by that. That took 466, uh, well, actually it's more like $467 million, just about. It, it opened quite well. It tapered off, but uh, it, it did open well. And came out, yeah, and came out uh, at number nine in the top ten. Because that I was thought. what everyone I knew was talking about in terms of film. So I'm quite surprised by that. Yeah, um, Pacific Rim is uh, on uh, from our list number six. Came in at number ten, making four hundred and seven million dollars. Oh. So yeah, okay. so. Uh, Star Trek only just beat Pacific Rim in terms of box office. I, I'm actually quite, I'm quite bummed out. I really like Pacific Rim. Yeah, I really, I thought it was it's, great. It's the only film I've walked away from going. I, I, I I'm glad I saw that. Yeah, I, I yeah, feel totally. Pacific something Rim. has been given to me as a result of seeing that film. I think, I think so far this year, Pacific Rim is probably my favourite film of the year so far. Yeah, uh, although I, I, we haven't had Thor yet, and that looks like enormous fun. But that's like not a summer film, so we can't even really talk about that. I would say that most fun I had this year um, at the cinema was probably a, um, was probably White House Down, um, but Pacific Rim edges it out in terms of the fact that in the end I have to admit White House Down is dumb as a brick. Whereas 
Whereas, although Pacific Rim appears to be dumb as a brick, it has a lot of little tongue-in-cheek winks and just little bits that that elevate it. Yeah. Oh, and for those of you who can hear someone talking in the background, that is Sue. Hello. She's there, Hello, Sue. watching us, egging us on. So yes, so that's the position there on that one. Um, yeah, it's quite interesting on the Star Trek one though. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was quite surprised that it's. it's I that. thought because of, because of the success of the first Abrams film. I thought people would have been, and I, I thought it was a pretty decent thing, but I, I think, yeah, I'm surprised by that. People were hyped, hence the good opening, but I think word of mouth got out that it wasn't that good. And I don't think, with the first Star Trek, I think some people, some fans, were quite happy to turn around and walk back in and watch it again. I don't think that was the case with Star Trek yeah. The Darkness thing. Once they saw it, yeah. where they wanted to go was the forums. What's interesting, what's interesting is that actually, I mean, um, taking it as a barometer, I listened to the Mark Kermode show. He gave it a fine review. Um, and and in fact, I mean, generally speaking, critically, they, you know, I think the problem was that critics, the critical consensus became, yeah, it's a dumb, fun popcorn movie, yeah, like that. And the word of mouth that killed it was the fact that fans didn't want a dumb, fun popcorn movie <laughs> that made no sense. The Star Trek fans, of course, they don't want a dumb action movie. Yeah, and, and that sort of because. I think what it, the first one probably did better. I seem to remember people saying, oh, I went to see the new Star Trek, thought it was going to be terrible. It was actually pretty good. So I took, you know, my dad to see it or yeah. my brother to see it, blah, yeah, blah, blah. And none of that happened this time. They were no, like, no, no. I've seen it, check in the box. Yeah. Done. So. I mean, um, Star Trek fans, I feel terribly sorry for. They're looking on Doctor Who, which is celebrating its 50th anniversary this year, with a degree of envy about the amount of attention and love the BBC's heaping on the show right now. Yeah. To the point it's going to start irritating other people, I'm sure. But, um, you know, what, are they, what have they got to look forward to in their 50th three years from now? Another film, which is probably the least appropriate Star Trek iteration to celebrate 50 years of exp- exploration? There are whispers and rumours that there may be a, a, a new TV show. Well, yeah. I mean, most of them are going derailed here, but most of them are kind of happy to see the series sh- uh, go off into the desert after Star Trek Enterprise. They thought he needs to go off and think about what it wants to be. And you know, when the film series came back, it wanted to be a big popcorn, uh, popular entertainment movie. And I think all the fans just had to grin and bear it and go, "Look, we're going to go a bit actiony here, guys, but we've got back all our classic characters again. We'll just, we've got a clean slate." And in some ways, Star Trek and Darkness kind of squanders the clean slate by retreading so much, yeah. digging up so many sacred cows and going, look, this one again, Star Trek's greatest hits. Yeah, it's a little bit like Star Trek Into Darkness kind of trod into the territory of the movie movies. By going, hey, yeah. nudge, nudge, wink, wink, remember this? Yeah, greatest hits. You were yeah. there with you. Now that's what I call Star Trek. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, I, <laughs> I think yes. that that's... Um, uh, and then, and then they, I mean, they couldn't put a foot right, bless them, not only did people were people underwhelmed by the story, but I think I mean they made they had the sexism thing. They lost a lot of credibility and annoyed a lot of people by going Benedict Cumberbatch is going to be playing a character, but it's not Khan, but it's not Khan, but it's not Khan. Oh, okay, it's Khan. And you're like, what? What? Why? Why deny? If that's what you've put in the movie, why stand there going? Yeah, we're going to flat out deny something, and then we're going to be liars. Yeah, get that. And it's like, what? Uh, they the they also got flack because um, 
uh, card is white this time, and there, and that sort, of, you know, when when a previously black character suddenly becomes white, I didn't know anything about um, uh, him being card. I managed to avoid all of that uh, before seeing it, and um, I um, I wished that I was enjoying his performance up to that point. And I just wished that he would have been a villain in his own right because I thought he was great. As and then he was like, "Oh, really? Okay, that doesn't really seem to work." But um, that's kind of lazy. Yes, I wish they got a man from. I from necessary. From... I think they could have easily made him a villain in his own right. Yeah, yeah. He's a villain from first past. He's from the nineteen nineties. Make any sense? Everyone, the first film, you know, they've tried to make it so that it could be this alternate version of the thing. And even I look at him going, "How does he? Be, you know, how does he turn?" Um, uh, Latino on a planet. Yes. Okay, yes. Sun. Is that what happens then? You just t- you know you turn your race, racial kind of profile when you when you on a planet. With, it didn't. I was like, that doesn't really make no no. There's well, no way. There's no way that's gonna happen. Here's my plot logic fail. Uh, he's a he's a dictator from Earth's future of, of the, you know, in the sixties. It was the future. It was the nineteen nineties. He was from, and he was a di- 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 uh, dictator from India. Um, and so he's from the 1990s so why is he giving them technology that can build the biggest most deadliest federation starship ever what yeah, surely but, they have the resources and know how to do that without cars as much as, it, as much as it's fun to drive buses through plot holes um, I mean we all agree and also, anyway, and also they were secure death death has been eliminated in the Star Trek universe now <laughs> I mean I was disappointed with it but I thought that you know most people wouldn't the general public would, would, would go along with it but clearly not yeah, I mean, what's really interesting to me is that there's all this thing, like, they're making a third one, they're going forward, yeah. they're going to try and redeem themselves, um, and yet Pacific Rim, Guillermo del Toro and his writing partner, whose name eludes me for the minute, they are writing Pacific Rim 2, and they've talked about some really intriguing ideas for taking the thing forward and making it a new original property. The difference in box office is all of, what, Fifty million dollars, like yeah. which is not much when we're talking these scales, and yet they haven't greenlit it. Right. Despite the fact that if they did greenlight it, if Warner Bros. greenlit Pacific Rim, it would almost certainly bat out of the park whatever it was up against that year, because yeah. people love sequels now. They love a property they know. Well, now they know it. You've been introduced to the Pacific Rim universe logic of the past few years with all the sequels that have come out dictates that rather than it being a law of diminishing returns, it all, it has a chance to be massive. Yeah. As big as a kaiju. Um, yeah. Well, so yeah, you know. Well, I, um, I think I think the franchi- franchise has legs, so to speak, but uh, it, I, I think it, it had big a really robotic bad reputation. Arms. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Uh, it, 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 it had a bad reputation for being a, a Transformer slash Godzilla a cheap knockoff clone. It was much better than that. But, um, of course it was. Look who's, who's in it. How does this kind of suck exactly? Yeah, I mean, there are still people who are. It's weird. There's a kind of. There's a sort of. The problem is, there can't really be a backlash because it didn't really do the kind of business that I think was, was wanted from it. But having said that. Um, but, the, the, yeah, I mean, there are still people moaning. Oh, I didn't really like it. I'm like, look, if you don't like Pacific Rim, the fact of the matter is you don't get Pacific Rim. You don't understand what it is. Because that's... I mean, Guillermo del Toro is dogged by this. You know, Hellboy has the same sort of thing where 
there are people who love the Hellboy movies and yeah. people are like, eh, whatever. And that's, you know, that, I suppose that's fine. But it's just it's just sad because, you know, it's sad. It, it, he, ha- he puts so much that's good into genre filmmaking. And, you know, people moan about Star Trek. But those Star Trek fans, and they're not turning around going, do you know what? I'm going to give my love to a franchise that's worthy and nip in see Pacific Rim. Maybe they do, I don't know. But mm. honestly, I, I no, think... Well, they're going through their wilderness shares, aren't they? So. Yeah. Um, and just to put a final nail into the coffers, Star Trek Into Darkness, uh, a film that did not even count for the summer because it wasn't released in the summer and did better than it at the box office. This is the big shock. Was the Great and Powerful grossed four hundred and ninety-three million, beating Star Trek Into Darkness by thirty million? That's really interesting because I heard that was a big flop. So that wasn't true at all. Um, I didn't see it actually. I need to see it. Yeah, so um, uh, I really enjoyed Oz the Great and Powerful. Uh, it's not part of the summer disc- discussion, maybe in a review of the year. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. Love James Franco. Um, I mean, it, yeah, all right, all right. Let's let's save those speculations. We've done them before. Uh, Oz the Great and Powerful beat Star Trek. I mean, that just says it all to me. So yeah, that's just weird. Uh, so that comes in at number eight. Go away, Mr. Abrams, and think about what you've done. <laughs> So, uh, everybody's number four. Let's start with Ian this time. What have you got at number four, Ian? I went for the good old popcorny Fast and Furious 6. Fast and Furious 6, okay. Uh, Justin, number four? Um, I am uh, Iron Man. What? Iron Man 3. Iron Man 3. Iron Man 3 at number four. Okay, I am putting Man of Steel at number four. The actual number four off our list... Um, coming in at number seven overall, it's World War Z. Okay. Hmm. Which um, surprised me. I put, I mean, you know, literally I, the way I did the list was I took our list and I put everything in the order in which I think they made box office. And World War Z came in for no, me at number six. Uh, I thought, no, they, you know, I knew it had done better than people predicted, but for it to have beaten Star Trek Into Darkness... That didn't that didn't come into my head. That wasn't uh, that wasn't that, that wasn't in my playbook, but it's true. Which is why I only heard afterwards. I knew that lots of people were very upset about World War Z, but I understood they were just fans of the fans of the the book book, and therefore you know. But then I heard afterwards. I didn't really look into it. To be honest, I didn't really care. I enjoyed the film when I went to see it. Thought it was a bit odd. Who saw World War Z? I saw it. You saw I didn't it, see Justin? It. No, what? I didn't see it. Oh, did you see I it? Did, I didn't see it, but I thought it would do all right because it's a zombie film with Brad Pitt, and who cares about the book? Well, it's, it's right. Yeah, I mean, I've not read the book, so I know that the one thing I do know is that it's nothing like the book. But then, then there's also the fact that you've got big first act, massive second act, ending Cardiff. <laughs> and, I mean, you know, I can't get over that. That just doesn't. It's just. Um, well, you know, to Americans, I dare say Cardiff seems like an exotic European city. Yeah, but, right, okay, the thing about it is, it's not just that you've, you've gone to a, a foreign land. The, the reason that the beginning is big is because there's thousands of people on the eastern seaboard, and they're running in panic from, you know, these acres of ant-like zombies. Um, and then they have this little interlude where they go to Burma at night so it can be played by a, a back lot in Burbank. Um, you know, because it's basically corrugated iron sheds and like chicken wire fences and 
darkness and rain, so they don't really even need to go there. So they have that little interlude, which is kind of, that counts as a beat, because they don't stay there very long. And then off they go to Israel, where there are thousands of people in the Middle East, you know, with the colourful street markets and the, all the stuff and the desert and the massive buildings. And then the ant-like zombies come and there's this huge thing. And then they go to Cardiff and, it, you know... No, uh, <laughs> well, no, no, but it is. It's, they actually say it's on the south coast, just north of Wales. So they're just in the valley, in the Cardiff Valley up there. They, they're really nearer to, to, to Merthyr. You know, it's like the middle of nowhere. And there are no... The only zombies are in a building. They suddenly turn it into this small-scale zombie movie a la, you know, um, Day of the Dead. Uh, it's just really odd. Um, but, yeah, but it did massive box office. Like, people responded to it. They okay. liked it. And Brad Pitt, who had been disassociating himself, he'd been distancing himself, I think that Brad Pitt genuinely thought it was going to bomb, and I think he probably did have disagreements with the director, and I think he... He, I think he was, weirdly, I think that Brad Pitt wanted to do it because he was a fan of the book. And he joined that camp of people like, we've ruined the book. You know, it's like, you, you're the star? No, no, we've ruined the book. Yeah. This is not what I signed on for. And then it did huge box office and suddenly his production company is doing the sequel. And you're like, yeah, oh, yeah. the rights. We also went on record as saying he made it for his kids. And that kind of freaked people out going, you kids are going to be seeing this? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, you know, it's like weirdly in the subject of, of sequels, uh, which are obviously, you know, obviously people have a mind on a sequel. Pacific Rim sequel, I'm there with bells on. Yeah, absolutely. World War Z sequel, I'll check it out. You know. Well, the thing is that once you've done the zombie apocalypse, it's like, and, uh, you know, a few months after the zombie apocalypse... No, 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 Ian, you misunderstand the situation. World War Z, uh, as as a standalone, is zombie apocalypse happens, they get the... uh, a possibility of some kind of a vaccine or cure, but the very end of the film is like, so we now have a vaccine that stops soldiers turning into zombies so they can fight them, and we're trying to distribute that to make sure that some people stay human. We have begun our fight back. Which doesn't preclude a sequel, but I think the implication of it, because they didn't believe it was going to go any further, was oh, that's kind of the end. Um, but no, there is, it's, not, it's not the end of the zombie apocalypse. By the end of the film, the zombie apocalypse is still in full swing. Mm. So yeah, but society's already over. They've already formed the you know emergency camp resistance. So yeah, but there's like an ongoing situation. There are no more zombies. Half the, fun, half the fun of apocalypse movies is watching society render and, and fall in upon itself. They've kind of done that already. Yeah, in a weird way. Justin, sorry. Oh no, no. I, I mean, I, I didn't go and see it. I didn't want to. Just I thought it was an interesting take on it. In that it kind of was a. Uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't the bleak and terrible. You know, everyone's going to die. It was a, a picture, and I quite that's quite interesting to do with a zombie film and make it a little bit more mainstream. So, uh, I will be watching it at some point. Yeah, uh, it tweaked my interest, but I didn't get to see it. So there we go. Um, moving on, uh, I'll start with number three. My number three, because my number three is incredibly boring, and we've already talked about it. I put Star Trek Into Darkness at number three, which tells you where I was standing with that. It turns out it did much worse than I expected. So, yeah, there we go. Uh, Justin, your number three? I've got Fast and Furious 6. You've got Fast and Furious 6? 
And I have I have uh, not Superman, aka Man of Steel. Uh, <laughs> and Ian, for the first time, uh, I think uh, anyone's got it bang on. Uh, that is the number three of our list, uh, coming in at number five overall. There's a lot of animation at the top, that's what's spacing them out, and I'll go through the animations and the implications for animation before we reach number one. But yeah, so uh, yes, you, you've got that exactly right. Man of Steel took 662 million, um, and, and yet I believe it was viewed by all and sundry as... I mean, I think... What this is telling me is that Warner Brothers have an inflated opinion about how their properties should be doing at the box office. That's, that's, I, mean, I can't. Well, we've, we've often said Superman is a difficult film to do. And I think, you know, they, they wanted to kind of, I don't know, was this a Superman movie we just had to have? We just had to work through it. They want to have, they want to have the Justice League. They want to have their own Avengers. Um, so they're setting things up, and I suppose Superman's a good enough place to start as any, I, seeing as I can't go straight back to Batman yet. I, don't, I, I have to say that I have heard the opinion voiced, and I would say that in this case, I possibly agree, that people kind of know the origin story of Superman. Uh, yes. They don't really need another Superman orange, origin pick, really. Yeah. You could do like a sort of darker take, you know, or that if that's where they wanted to go, which is obviously what they wanted to do on Superman that fits, you know, kind of adjacent to the new Batman. They could have done one that referred back to his origin, like a story that involved the destruction of Krypton and all this kind of stuff. And they could have done that, but they didn't really need to do. And now we're going to do the origin story again, because... Why? Who cares? Who doesn't know Superman's it's, origin it's, story? It's oddly morally modelled, I found the film. Superman, it, the sense he's not always doing these things out of, out of a sense of duty to goodness and doing the right thing. He's doing it out of guilt because his dad's dead. Because his dad had some strange morality where it was better to let a school bus full of children drown than for Clark to act and save some lives. Yeah, I, I didn't really get that because then he changed his mind quickly. I you know, later, and I didn't really, yeah, I thought that was a bit, and the fact that he just dies, spoilers, but he dies because it's more important that no one knows it, that's ridiculous, because it doesn't make sense, it was like, it's better for me to die now, so that no one knows who you are, but it's fine, you know, in a few years' time, people can know who you are, and oh, wait, I'm dead, so I mean, it doesn't, that doesn't, I don't think, why would you make that sacrifice, that's stupid, you just go, um, you go, well, save me, and then, you know, we'll deal with the consequences of that. Okay, people know you. I didn't really buy that, and I didn't really, it didn't seem to make much sense other than let's get, let's kill off the dad because we need to. Yes. Except, you know, we won't have the heart attack. We'll have that instead because that's more dramatic. Um, it's pretty, that's more traumatic, more like. To a young Superman, I would have thought, but to do that, he's like, no, you keep your secret and I'll die for you. Great, thanks. Thanks. That, was, that's not going to haul me for some of my life. Exactly. Um, um, and also, look, the thing about Superman's home planet and his race of Krypton is that they're all boring. Uh, it's like it's the Time Lord fact with Doctor Who. It's like we all we all want to go back there and have a look, but trust me, it's just boring. Their main note about them is that they are all dead, and Superman stroke Doctor Who is alone. Um, 
and, and, and they're always a bit kind of, oh, no, don't drag them back, don't drag them back. They brought back Zed for the first movie, John Zod, Zed, Zod, yeah. for the first movie. And I suppose it was a good thing to postpone Lex Luthor, and so you've got that gem sure. for the next movie. I mean, it's basically out. Superman 2, isn't it, really? I mean, that's, yeah. that's really what it is. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it was... I just thought it was kind of apologetic... It was that's hence the hence the title name and the fact that the costume was so muted and uh, and I really uh, it lacked the fun you know it was yes like, we can't have the fun we can have all the effects and everything else and all, uh, you know that was all great all the effects were fantastic and it really did you know I mean it did feel like this, this um, uh, how Superman battles should be uh, kind of enormously powerful but on the other hand it was kind of a Ashamed of what it was. Let's not beat around the bush. Uh, Metropolis has been destroyed, utterly annihilated. Uh, it's, it's, it's like this is so depressing. Are we, are we seriously going to have a new Metropolis suddenly built in a second film, probably funded by Lex Luthor billionaire or something daft like that? It's not. It's, 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 it's rubble. It, it's a huge a, crater. It's not Metropolis though. It is New York, isn't it? I don't think uh... they. I no, it's Metropolis. They, did they did they actually call it that? Because I missed that. I've got bit. no idea. I didn't see it, but it is Metropolis because Batman's in Gotham City and they're now doing a crossover oh, okay. in the next movie. Right. Although, is it what's what's what's? I don't know whether it's an insult or or I don't know quite where their um, agenda is with calling. I mean, I don't think they're <laughs> going to call it Man of Steel too. That's just their working title. But yeah. it's like Batman is going to guest star in a Superman movie. And it's like, well, of the two characters, guess which one's more popular at the moment, oh, and yeah. it's not Superman. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely not the Batman Begins of Superman. That, that it was definitely not. It was a, definitely a different take. We all agree the traditional take has its problems. Yeah, yeah. We'll see where we go, I suppose. I, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, you know, as we as we scale up, it's like you know, I'm I'm feeling that. It's not. It's, the point is that in I think in previous years, um, I mean the the one that stands to mind is when Iron Man one came out. People were like, I can't wait for the sequel. Yeah, and then you know people had this big thing about, oh, we can't wait for the Avengers. And this year they've done a lot of things where it's like you come out and it's not like it's not like deferred gratification. It's more or less like I don't see where they're going to go from here. I think they might want to give that up as a bad job. Do you know what I mean? I, just, I, I can't, yeah, can't get into it's it. Just, it's just like, I watched Batman Begins again recently, and it's it's, it's very well plotted. Um, I mean, it begins, I mean, it starts off with uh, him as a child, and he falls down the hole and lands in the Batcave. Then he wakes up, and he's in the prison somewhere in the world, I forget where, Shanghai or something like that. And then he gets in the fight, and he gets thrown into a solitary cell, and then Ragul is there talking to him already. And then, bang, he's in the monastery. There's no hanging around, it's straight into it. Was Man of Steel? We get that really protracted Russell Crowe-led thing at the beginning about the death of Krypton, and I, I like Krypton is planet Zog. Go, just go, boom, so we can get on with things. Yeah, I think that that's definitely. Well, this is what I said. I mean, you know, for a Man of Steel to have been the Batman Begins of the Superman, I think they wanted really to do a story that referred back. You know, because I think Batman Begins has this thing where it's like, oh, you can't, you kind of know what happened. And then it kind of went, and so we're going to go forward from the point after the bit that everybody knows. And then yeah. rather cleverly, it went, oh, and by the way, it wasn't exactly like that. It was like this. And just put in the bits that they wanted you to have extra. 
Um, and that that really worked out. So yeah, I mean, you know, I they, think, they I think you just it. can't be apologetic for your main character. You know, Batman begins is absolutely this is what Batman is, and you know all the great things about Batman. And Superman is like uh, Superman. <clears throat> yes, um, you know it's so played down, which is ridiculous well, because it's. He's so over-the-top character. If you contrast the way that um, Warner Brothers seem to have come at, at Superman versus the way that Marvel embraced Thor. Yeah, I mean, Thor, the point is, right, Thor was like, yes, it is silly, but Brian Blessed! Do you yeah, know what absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. Like, like this big, like, yes, let us be joyful in its stupidity. Let us make yes. it. And by the way, that Loki guy, you're going to want to watch him. And that's what they yes. did, and they were like, yeah, let's have fun! Whereas Man of Steel is like, let's get out the Superman doll, yeah, yeah, you can beat up. <laughs> yeah, well, the thing, it, Thor amazed me, because the thing at stake isn't the Earth. The thing at stake is a lot of ice giants that Thor's people are technically at war with, which Loki's going to kill to impress his mother. And that's essentially what the stakes are. It's like, so a lot of bad guys we beat in the backstory are going to get killed if we don't act soon. Okay, let's go with this, guys. Um, well, I, I mean, I think, well, I think there's a, the, yeah, I mean, you know, we could discuss Thor another day. Oh, it's but, praiseworthy uh, for not putting the Earth at yeah, like, again. I, 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 yeah, I have to say, Thor goes in that bucket of movies, we're surprised that they worked. Uh, because yes. it, it did and it didn't. So, oh, uh, yeah, that's not... theory says it shouldn't work, and yet it does. Yes. Um, and so, uh, on to, I think we've, uh, I think we've given the Man of Steel a suitable drubbing at this stage. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the theme at the midway point is definitely the the, the, the disappointments, the surprises. We're not really, you know, embracing. And, then, you know, then the bitter disappointment of the fact that, you know, things that were liked were unjustly cast aside and even did worse at the box office than things that we didn't even think were that great. So, with that happy note in mind, uh, Justin, I know Ian, let's go with Ian. What's your number two? Well, I went with the already discussed World War Z. I thought Brad Pitt plus zombies would have been all right. Um, Which were you, they were all right, but not quite as all right as what is it, number two? Uh, Justin? Well, obviously, I'm Peter C. Wrong. I've gone Pacific Rim because I think that deserved to be. Yes, you you went with your heart. I thought most people I spoke to enjoyed it. You know, it was one of those people were coming out going. Oh, well, you know, they actually enjoyed it, so I'm quite surprised. Yes. Um, I I thought with my head rather than my heart and the surprising news, although I have a lot of affection for the sort of spirit of this franchise, I put Fast and Furious 6 at number two, and indeed in our list it is at number two, uh, coming in at number three in between Despicable Me Too and Monsters University, uh, which we'll talk about, in fact, in a minute. The, The things that space out the list are all animations. But yes, um, Fast and Furious 6 pulled down $788 million um, and was a runaway surprise success for everybody involved, I think. I don't think there is a single person involved in Fast and Furious 6 that isn't you know, jaw-droppingly amazed. Well, I'm not... I, I, a lot of people have seen Fast and Furious movies over the years. They might not have seen all of them. You know, Diesel was back. There was callbacks to other earlier films as well. The trailer was quite exciting. Right. It strikes me as a dumb action right. movie that so anyone can go with a pulse can go see. Let me let I'm me give you the properly. let me give you the fans' perspective on this because I but before Fast and Furious, which is the fourth movie, weirdly, um, came out. 
I had bought the first three, um, believing that Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift was, you know, which I believe it's still the redheaded stepchild of the series, um, followed closely by the second film. I mean, this is the thing. This is a franchise that is so broken. Fast and the, the Fast and the Furious came out and people went to see it and it did well enough to score, a, you know, a lower budgeted sequel in the traditional fashion. So Too Fast, Too Furious came out, didn't have Vin Diesel in it and everyone said it would be rubbish and it still scored enough money to get the even more modestly budgeted third movie. And that most people believed was the end of that. It was a traditional film series in the normal vein of things where you know back from the 80s you got a big budget first one or you know a reasonably budgeted first one lower budgets in the sequels tails off nobody's interested maybe there's a made for tv fourth movie that everybody hates that's what everybody expected to happen then suddenly you know vin diesel and paul walker and various other parties have a bit of a bad day at the box office in other projects need a bit of money they all get together. I think it was Vin Diesel that put together Fast and Furious, in fact, because he want, you know, he's a guy who wants to make movies that he wants to make, and he saw it as a bit of a, you know, they made this big marketing thing of original parts. You know, it's the it's the the gang from number one, the back. This is going to be a big one, and the, I think marketing wise, calling it Fast and Furious to kind of deny that the previous two had ever existed, was genius. And it all looked so good, and it had a great opening scene. And after that, they... What I really don't understand about this is that it's not difficult to make a Fast and Furious movie. You have action people doing action stuff, talking about the bro code or whatever it is that they do. You have pretty cars, and you have fast car races. And you do that for an hour and a half. It's not rocket surgery. Instead of which, they had some car stuff at the beginning, possibly a little bit more later on. I can't really remember. And then hours, it seemed, interminably, of people going, you let me down, bro. Why did you let me down? You don't understand what I had to go through. <gasps> like that. And just like shouting at each other and pointing guns and jumping through windows. You're like, Where are the cars? Where is yeah. the racing? And you thought, well, that's it. They've, they've done it. And somehow they got The Rock on board and everybody got more money. Well, actually, I think people were kind of pumped for it. So it kind of did better than people expected it to do. So they got another sequel, even though, you know, it wasn't expected. And because they managed to fool people twice, because Fast and Furious 5, let me tell you, or the Fast 5, as it's referred to, is just as awful in the terms of it still doesn't do any proper car racing. There's a bit of car stuff. But because they've now got this added agreement, uh, uh, ingredient of Dwayne Johnson, they think they want to make it into some kind of, you know, low-grade Elmore Leonard rubbish, where he's like, oh, I'm an FBI guy, and we're going to talk about which side of the law you're on, and as if people care. They just want to see people driving cars. And it still doesn't happen. At which point, everybody's like, well, that's it. There is no more. You can't, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me three times, who's giving them money? And yet they did. And what was really bizarre was suddenly it's back on top. I didn't go and see it. As a fan of the franchise, I just was like, no, I can't, re I'm not going to get burned again. There were obviously all these other people who were like, I don't care, I'm going to see it. 
And then it turned out it is actually pretty good, and I'm sorry that I didn't get to catch it. But yeah, there was no way. That's, that series was on a law of diminishing returns quality-wise all the way down to this one. And now we're almost inevitably going to get a Fast and Furious 7 because, wow, that's some box office for what is essentially a throwaway, throwaway action movie. That's just crazy. I think, I think the reason you didn't go see it because you listened to uh, Mark Commode who basically said you've seen the trailer, you've seen the movie. No, the reason I didn't go and see it is because of the previous movies. I went, I don't care. Because the point is, when you listen to a film reviewer a lot, you kind of learn what they are, what you believe they are capable of reviewing yeah, and what they're not. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, and I don't believe that Mark Mode really, really gets action movies. I don't think he... When an action movie is like, no, actually, that's a pretty good entry in the action movie canon, Sometimes he enjoys it, but sometimes he gets it wrong. And I think he enjoys it more with the speaking French, certainly. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, the, the point that I was, I totally, my based my, they they did this a thing where they were like showing you a scene and and like it was all looking very fast and furiously, and I'm like, that smacked to me as desperation at that stage. I was like, they just show because when we remembered it harked me back to when they advertised Fast and Furious and they showed you in the trailer a lot of clips of the bit at the beginning that's really good. But then, you know, um, the rest of the film didn't live up to that. So when they show you that in the cinema, you're like, yeah, that's the good bit, but I bet the rest of it's not that good. And it turns out that the rest of it probably was because everybody went to see it and said they had a, a good time. So I'm going to have to catch it later. But I am I am surprised that it yeah. it, it, it worked out that way. Um, and of course, the reason that we're inevitably going to get Fast and Furious 7 is because I have no doubt that uh, Vin Diesel needs money to fund Riddick yeah. Part 4 because Riddick was universally reviled and hated by fans of the series, you know. Yeah, that guy, he doesn't seem to be able to pick projects or even make projects that people uh, respond to positively, which is unfortunate, but there we go, except by accident. I mean, he clearly did Fast and Furious 6 for the money, and yet that's a big popular movie. He did Riddick. Because Vin Diesel is apparently, he's one of those sort of closet geeks though, isn't he? He's not, there's nothing closeted about uh, 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 Vin Diesel's geekism. Oh, he's, he's a massive D&D player. He does big, long... Com- when he goes to Comic-Con and stuff, he does D&D anecdotes. He's yeah. like, yeah, no, everybody knows that he loves that, but I, I, don't, I don't see how that would pay into, you know, Riddick is full of misogyny, Chronicles of Riddick didn't connect with audiences. Two Fast well, and Furious movies were all about talking this, about the pro code. Exactly. I was saying, you'd think he'd be able to cobble together a genre film. He doesn't seem well, to be able to do it, though. Yeah, because then, I mean, no, remember... Oh, I can't even remember the title of this movie. Um, there's a movie where he's in Russia and he has to get some woman somewhere there's something to do with psychic power. Babylon AD. That's the uh-huh. one. And that was supposed to be the keynote in a massive sci-fi franchise. And it was just terrible. And he was heavily invested in that. And the thing is, I'm heavily... I like Vin Diesel. I like the fact that what he's trying to do. It's just that when he's heavily involved, it seems to go pear-shaped. 
It's the minute it's taken out of his hands, things get really big and what have you. It's weird. You know. Uh, we well, Vin Diesel. I, I want to like him, I really do. But... <laughs> Oh, but he doesn't make it easy, is what you're going to say there. And it, it's well, true, it doesn't make it easy. Just, Justin, opine to us, Fast and Furious. Well, Vin Diesel, maybe. You may I haven't have seen a... it, but talking about Vin Diesel, well, I, he let me down with, with Riddick, really, because because I I wasn't, cut. It, you know, when you come out of the film and you go, I just that wasn't very wrong, that wasn't a good thing for that character to act or say, and he had to be the hero. Where up to that point... I was loving that that character, and so yeah, the kind of misogyny parts of it. I was that let me down a lot with him, um, and you kind of go, "Aren't you aware of what you're doing here?" Because surely, you know, people are watching this; they are listening to what you're saying on the screen. Well, what makes it even sadder is the fact well, why would that, you want to see that act that way on screen. What makes it even sadder is the fact that he is a, a massive geek. And yeah. you'd think he'd be sensitive to this kind of thing, but you know, well, maybe talk- he was a geek trying to sound like a hard guy, or like we talked <laughs> in previous yeah. we talked in previous episodes about Arnold Schwarzenegger's incredible image management uh, skills and how he is very sensitive to how people perceive the property of Arnold Schwarzenegger. But Vin Diesel seems like the wife. The wife has a, a wife has a statement about Vin Diesel. Uh, paparazzi clicking all over. She's on the steps of number ten now. Here is the wife's sorry, statement sorry, on Vin Diesel. Sorry, the fact that he's a geek actually probably makes him worse as a misogyny. Sorry, sorry, but as the point, fanboy thing comes back in, into play here. Fanboys and geeks are the worst people for attacking women. So he probably has no clue it's misogynistic because he's probably surrounded by a bunch of D&D players all day who were sat there going, oh, women, we don't understand them, do we? It has to be said, it has to be said, if you look at the internet world of geekism, and particularly if you get the news channels that me and Ian uh, peruse quite frequently, you do get the idea that people in these rarefied uh, channels are very politically correct and, and, you know, sometimes there's an argument about how they're too politically correct, and you start to believe that that is the majority tide. But actually, what you start to realise in other parts is that that's just a bunch of people. It's a small, you know, maybe hundreds of thousands it's, of people across it's the, the globe. It's the media-savvy t- um, cream of, of, of geeksdom, which is on the internet, and yeah. naturally drifted towards. And when that includes people who, in a Grand Theft Auto V article, are like, I like going online and screwing up other people's games, lol. I like to blow them up when they're trying to do stuff. Uh, they're part of the cream. So we want to wonder what's below <laughs> the kind of person who likes griefing and then goes on the internet and goes, I likes the griefing, lol. They're part of the cream of the media savvy yeah. intelligentsia. So what's below that is, is murky indeed. So I suppose that's the point. Okay, so uh, we've well, had yeah, another yeah. Ladle, ladling of, of, of disappointment. Uh, Justin, what have you put at number one? Well, clearly, I've, I've completely missed the boat on this one because I, I did put uh, Star Trek because I just thought that a lot of people can see it. But yeah, I'm I, I I'm wrong. And what did you put, Ian? I put Iron Man three. Got in and, early, and everyone was excited about it. And I, of course, put Iron Man three. And of course, the number one, the actual number one, where all the lists sync up, is Iron Man three, which we shall circle back to in a moment. But first. Before we do talk about Iron Man 3, um, the, the ones that, the, the things that we've actually managed to go through the whole top 10 at this point, except for 
Despicable Me 2, which is at number two, taking 80, $885 million this year. Monsters, Monsters U took $737 million, $100 million less than Despicable Me 2, which is a bit of a shocker. And yeah. The Crudes took $585 million, beating World War Z, Oz the Great and Powerful Star Trek. I didn't need all of that. No, that's that's a massive shocker that that's at number six. Uh, well, it's a kids' film because kids are usually plural, so that's both parents as well. That's well, yes. Kids. Um, I mean, were, were there no other kids' movies this this summer? Not really, no. That's so it was, was, it was. Not uh, really, no. And that was kids' power. If you look at uh, kids' power, they will drag parents. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm just going to stop you there. Epic. Epic doesn't score anywhere in the top ten. But the problem is with Epic, you look at Epic as a film, if you're a child, that doesn't appeal to you. The adverts don't appeal to you. Well, it, it, yeah. I mean, oh, and Planes. Disney's animation. Disney's <laughs> yeah. acting. Yeah, I mean, uh, that, that's, that's Pixar squatting on the toilet, straining there, isn't it? Yeah, I think no one was particularly excited by that. Oh, I and of course, of course, we can't forget the indie yeah, outsider... Justin and the Knights of Valor. Yeah, but if you're a late there, entry, right, okay. I quite like that. And you've got two kids who want to go and see something in the in the holiday week holiday, right? Would you want to go and see something that's a guaranteed franchise that you know, like Despicable Me? Yeah, of course they did. Or Monsters Inc. Yes, which of course you know, they did. Or something that's new and out there, like The Crudes. Or go and see something that you've already seen, like Planes, which is basically cars but up in the With air. With planes, yes. Yeah, or. Something that looks like your kids might not enjoy. Ah, no, but the thing about because it... Because the thing with right. Epic and Justin and the Knights of the Valor, it looks like adults' films rather than kids' films. And that's the problem with animation. Right. You have to gauge with animation I'm... whether your kids are going to get yeah. it. I'm just, I'm just going to stop you there for a minute, okay? Because the setup of the two movies, if you look at it, they're both DreamWorks. Epic is... Girl's father, and you could tell this from the advert because I didn't see it. Girl's father goes missing. He believes there's crazy magic things in the garden. She gets shrunk. She meets the crazy magic things and finds her father on a journey of magic and discovery. Wait, wait, wait until I've finished. The Croods is some cave people are afraid to go outside because Nicolas Cage tells them not to. And then they do and they find there is stuff. So that's the whole plot. Yeah. Well, it, it, it is simple, but it just sounds dull. Yeah, but it's the five-year-old kid. You have to remember, right? It sounds dull to a five-year-old. Yeah, but what I'm saying is you have to remember, uh, somebody who's worked in the cinema, okay. trust me, right? I have had kids running out of films that you think are for children, crying and screaming and not understanding the film they're supposed to be sat in. I've also had kids coming out of films that, again, are made for kids, completely asleep or bored. because And their parents are going, well, that was a bit more adult than I thought it was supposed to be. You know, I've took my five-year-old in to see, you know, Flushed Away or Happy Feet or something like that, and it's not really for them. It's right. for a much older child. So, presumably... The crud obviously appeals to maybe... Everybody can get away with this one because it's a bit dumb. Yeah, that's what I'm trying yeah. to. I, I, I think. think right. I think you're all right. I think. I think that there's a, a level to which possibly there was some marketing that went on for the crudes yeah. that we didn't detect yeah. because it was possibly because I suppose if you say it's nice and simple, you know, some cave people discover a world full of dinosaurs. That's the plot. Yeah. Um, 
It's nice and dumb. Yeah, You've parents got will be, yeah. to explain to kids. You're not having to come out and explain what happened with this to a five-year-old. Yeah. yeah. Because that was the problem with most of the things that I was finding in cinema. You know, we've got parents coming out of Happy Feet having to explain what was happening. Yeah, that's not, a, that, that's not an easy film for children to watch. Yeah, you've got parents coming out of Flushed Away having to explain the plot of Flushed Away to their six-year-old. Yes, Flushed Away's plot is yeah. fairly complicated. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. That's the problem with Justin and the Nice of Valor, and that's the problem with Epic. It looks like it's going to be one of those films where, am I going to have to explain this to my five-year-old? Yeah. So there we go. So there we, so, um, I think that the big so yes so Disney Animation um, no doesn't come in anywhere. DreamWorks by dint of possibly just putting out a bunch of uh stuff. Oh no, DreamWorks is 20th Century Fox. So. Oh, so Despicable Me 2 is universal. It's completely different. So that's a Despicable, big surprise. Despicable Me 2, you don't really need to worry about because you will know whether your child gets it, whether they've seen Despicable yeah, Me. Yeah, all right, all right. Cool, yes, I understand, I understand. Okay, yeah. so yeah, so Despicable Me 2, I think, oh, still is the surprise of the summer. I, I think they expected it to do well. I don't think they expected it to do, you know, that well. Well, and I think I, everyone came away from it going that was that was jolly funny actually. It was oh it was super funny. It was really good. So uh, I had a word of mouth about it as well. So yeah, so and it st- stuck around for ages. I mean yeah, good on it. I'm looking forward to Despicable Me Three. I, I find mean, it very it light to... and funny, and that's good. When it comes to Disney Pixar, look, they've been top beast for so long, and the problem with that is there's only one way to go. So, you know, all they've got to do is have one off year and suddenly they're, they're, they're the fallen king. There, there was a point where there wasn't really anyone that could even match them. Not in terms of the the skills, um, the human lacking in some of the other kind of minor pro- properties. Now, you know, they know how to do it. The, the, the animation is cheap enough that you can do all the gorgeous stuff that small smaller animation houses can do. They can attract, you know, they've got the money behind them to get the names... And the writers, and so you know, generally the standard yeah. of that has gone way up. I mean, Pixar have have had right. Well, the weird thing about Pixar is that Pixar has two reputations. It has its adult reputation, which I think is crystallised in Up. That is, I think that Up is possibly the point at which adults are like that is OMG, amazing animation film, wow, incredible. Whereas I would imagine that Up is one of those things that you would maybe have to explain to a kid because it's quite complicated, the plot. Um, and the first ten minutes, I mean, why did wow. that kid? Let's, let's just skip this bit. <laughs> yeah. Whereas then there's the other reputation, which is their reputation with children, which I think is epitomised in Cars, which adults are like, oh, it's just Doc Hollywood with Owen Wilson being a red sports car. Uh, kids loved Cars. Cars is the world-beating Pixar. Like, wow, Cars. They love it you know, so much. There's Cars 2, which also did really well, which is possibly what led to Monsters U, because Pixar, I don't think we're interested in doing sequels until, you know, it started to become a thing. And, yeah, I, I think that Monsters U kind of falls between the two stools. I think that Monsters, Inc. is possibly one of those films that possibly appeals more to adults than it does to children. It's a prequel, and, which is a hard thing for children to understand. Yeah. And also it has, it has, a, quite, it has a reasonably complex character arc to it as well. Yeah. Of, and, of the and, characters and, and maturing. So when they say, well, you know, we're going to take big, dumb, kid-friendly cars and follow it up with Cars 2, 
which is, you know, I mean, I haven't seen Cars 2, um, but I understand that they tried to do something different with it. They got rid of the, the sort of, they gave um, the, the red sports car less to do, and they made it more about the supporting characters, and it was a bit more of an action movie, and apparently it's, it's perfectly it's fine for that. It's, it's good fun. fun. You've seen it? It's good fun. Oh, good. Right, yeah, so there we go. Whereas with Monsters University, you've got two problems. One is kids possibly didn't really respond to Monsters Inc. as much as adults did. And two, adults are like, oh, a sequel to that. That's one of my favourite Pixar movies. I'm feeling a bit wary about this. And so that translates into the box office. Uh, So now finally we come to that final thing that must be discussed. Taking a massive one American billion, 214 million, 713 thousand and nine hundred ninety four dollars iron man three the all whole bow down before marvel movies <laughs> yeah. all hail the new god um yes i enjoyed it i um there was there was some people who criticized the fact that it is a you know it is pretty much robert downey jr being as most robert downey jr as possible in this film um, but you know what i i liked it and i liked uh, i liked the out of suit stuff as well as you know um, sure, it's got it, people have kind of poked holes at the plots and some of the stuff, but I just thought the spirit of it was good. It was fun, you know. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I had a, we had a particular thing which possibly would take a whole show by itself about it. Uh, Iron Man three and its depiction of post traumatic stress disorder uh, and the, the the way that it and the great laughs you can get from it. Well, yeah, and the way it may have made light of that when maybe it shouldn't, and maybe we, I mean, you know. It would probably serve a second viewing, and I think. But the thing about it is, the fact that that is in there is an indication that if you contrast it, if you go Iron Man and Iron Man Two, the thing that they kept in there was a lot of fun. They went, you know, is this too much? Are we going, you know, yes, in Iron Man Two he was dying of some weird blood poisoning thing, but I think the difference here is that Shane Black made those stakes of the thing that was threatening Robert Downey Jr., that being, in this case, post-traumatic stress disorder, and, in fact, himself. He's his own self getting in the way of this persona that he's supposed to be putting forward. Shane Black, ironically, is actually too good at writing that. Yeah. In the fact that when it was like, oh, yeah, there's some weird hokey blood poisoning thing that's going to kill you according to a clock you have on your wrist, and then you invent a new element overnight using a big model to solve that. Everyone's like, yeah, yeah, there's risk. We understand. You were going to put tab A into slot B, and he's going to be better, and then there's going to be a big fight. Yeah, cool. But when it's actually, no, no, this is very deep, and it's dark into the psyche of, of, of... Tony Stark and you know his own personality standing in the way of his own healing process with the post-traumatic stress disorder and the events of this you start to think well actually not only can people understand and relate to that but then when you try and then go and then there's OMG 28 Iron Man suits all fighting ninjas on a dock you're like wait a second what about his broken psyche and you should never be no at no point in Iron Man 2 did you go wait a minute what about his blood poisoning because you didn't care. It was a throwaway and he's at risk. Whereas mm. this was maybe a topic that could have been dealt with more seriously. And of course, they couldn't afford to do that because it's an Iron Man movie. So maybe they should have thought about that before they did it. I mean, you know, it's a good thing that going forward, the Iron Man franchise is going to have to change somehow. 
But, you know, that's what I would say. I mean, you know, having had time to consider it, I think there is a problem that that note is actually far too real. In the, you know, if you contrast it with Thor, which is about nothing and muscles, you know, it doesn't. Attractive muscles. Yes, but Iron Man three is actually about. It actually pertains to be about something, and it's like, yeah, but if you're going to be about something, suddenly you have to be a completely different type of movie, and it wasn't. It was, so it was trying to have its cake and eat it. Is what I'm saying. I don't know. It's certainly that... quite emotionally grim. I mean, by the end of it, well, spoilers. <laughs> well, by the end of it, it, he's like effectively retired from being Iron Man and has burnt his bridges, so to speak. I kind of felt, I walked away from the movie going, well, that's it for Iron Man, really. I mean, Tony Stark may still pop up in the old cameo, but I thought someone else will just have to don the armour from now on, which is already technically going on. Well, yeah, the problem with that is that uh, Iron, you know, that in Marvel, con- in all continuity. Peace. Tony Stark is Iron Man, and like like we said earlier in the summer, like when we were doing a new show about casting things, really, if you change the actor, that actor has to portray uh, as far as, I no, as far as I understand it, um, Robert Downey Jr. has signed up for two more Avengers films, but no more Iron Man films, so essentially he'll be cameoing in, uh, in those two, and then I guess, you know, at some point, He'll, he'll be way too old anyway to even yeah. contemplate any more films. And then there'll well, probably be a gap because, you know, Phase 3 will come out and there'll be lots of other things. And then, you know, someone else will take over the mantle at some point. Do I, we need a fourth Iron Man movie? I mean, I kind of feel we've had a, we've had our trilogy and it was fine. I, um, I thought that it was a fitting end to it all, you know, and it kind of wrapped things up. And I was quite pleased the way it ended because I thought, yeah. well, you know, that's, that's the story and, you know, now well, modern. The risk of that, that, then, is, you know, uh, what we talked about, the fifth highest grossing film of all time, over $1 billion box office. As much as we all may say, well, story-wise, you could just have him pop up in The Avengers, and then we can concentrate on, you know, that sweet Doctor Strange movie that we really want in Phase 3, hint, hint. Um, as much as that might be what, what fans quote-unquote, want, what the box office says that moviegoers want is another Iron Man movie. So, well, probably... Well, no, Aven- Avengers did well last year, and now Iron Man's done oh, yeah, this year. Not to I'd say it as a victory for the so Marvel franchise. Really. There are only so many sorts of films. Marvel has got a slate of things coming out. Yes. And yeah, Iron Man is not, he's not in them. There are other things coming out. So, um, you know, you can't... You, I mean, I... What I liked about the preferred over two for Iron Man 3 was the fact that Iron Man 2 was quite heavily kind of plotted for the, you know, the grand scheme of Marvel's uh, arcs with all the films. And this one, they kind of let their hair down a bit. Um, so it, it's, it kind of was necessary, Iron Man 1 and 2, to drive everything. Now that's not really the case. So, you know, I'd be very surprised if we'll see an Iron Man 4 soon. Well, a large full of money can make anything happen. Yes, but... they, they've cleared they've cleared the first hurdle, which is that it makes all this money, and then they find some jobbing director and go, "Yeah, you'll make an Iron Man four. Here's the release date." Before they've even got a script, but you know, Mummy Returns. I'm looking at you. They've yeah. cleared that hurdle because they haven't said anything, they haven't committed, and that's I believe that's entirely down to 
the the high level people, Phage, Weedon, of course, sitting around and going, "We are not doing that," but they can only hold out so long. I think, I think yeah, I think if they do, you know, it, and if they do have Robert Downey Jr. come back in Iron Man Four, then they have to play that. I mean, they put a, so such a big thing about him kind of leaving the suit behind. They're going to have to if they don't do that right, people just look at it and go, "Oh, come on." I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty confident that, and I think it would be appropriate for them to change the actor. Yeah, I think maybe they just need to get that right, and that's all. Once they've got that right, then we're on. I know new Tony Stark. Yes, I know Tom Cruise has expressed interest, but then I'm not surprised because because the comic. Let's get away from the who's going to be the next Iron Man debate. We've had that debate once already. But anyway, yeah. Anyway, yeah. In summary, not surprises. Number one, it came out early enough. Uh, Everyone was pumped for Marvel films. They still are. Uh, so yes, number one, not surprised in the slightest. Um, I mean, you know, Thor's coming out in a few weeks now. I mean, surprisingly soon, uh, Thor went in my mind from something that's coming out at some point in the far distant future to, oh, it's coming out in a couple of weeks. Um, and it's, you know, awesome. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I think that's, that's going to be a great movie. So, um, yeah, so that, that's that. I think the, the confidence is high, and all the early signs on Captain America two are looking good. Uh, it looks like they've got. Got and, um, and of course, uh, you know, once we got that, probably about this time next year, I think it is Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm quite looking forward to that actually. Yeah, which I'm, I'm, I didn't know much about it, but looking into it, I'm like, well, you know, this could actually be a lot of fun. Yes, and I think having fun space opera um, in the Marvel universe could be. You know that could be huge. So do you know? Do you know something? I'm actually, I actually don't want them to regain the properties of, of Spider-Man and, and the X-Men because they would just suck all the oxygen, oxygen away from these lesser-known properties that they have Yeah, I want my Doctor Strange movie that they've mm. been talking about and talking about and talking would, about and talking about. I want a Black Panther movie. That would be my yes. So do it. So this is stuff. We, we, lest we forget, of course, Ant-Man. Yeah, I, yes. well, I trust it. I trust it'll be good, but I have no, I have no idea what that character it, is. It's not the most exciting uh, superpower you can have. No, no. I, but the point about Ant-Man is, it's not about his superpowers, which are pretty boring, to be honest. One, it's going to be called Ant-Man, which I think, I think possibly when we get close to the point, people are going to go, "Hang on, surely this should, in this modern age." Crikey, it's 2015, people, or whatever year. Maybe it's coming out next year, I don't know. It should be called Ant-Person, I quite agree. No, 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 no. It should be called Ant-Man and Wasp, because it will be Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne. And where's she in the the title? She's not. But she's she's, there's a case to say that the Wasp, well, the interplay between Ant-Man and the Wasp is what makes those characters work. And the reason people think that Ant-Man is so lame is because... People just don't refer to the wasp, and it's like, well, no, because they're a, they're a couple, and it's kind of like a screwball couple comedy yeah. with with you know she is small and she can sting people with bioelectricity, and he is uh, perversely for a man called Ant Man. Well, at one point he could also go small, but at another point he could also go really big, and it was yeah, it's all supposed to be like a comedy thing. It's meant to be a domestic comedy like you know i love lucy with superheroes so the fact that it's called ant-man and it, if it doesn't have the wasp in it people are going to be upset if it has the wasp in it and she's not given part of the title that's going to make people upset 
you know, it, 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 yeah. I, don't know. I mean, you know, maybe, well. All of Ant-Man, I, I can't be that, I, I can't be that worked well, the thing about it is, the reason that I say that is because Earth's Mightiest Heroes did its first season two years ago now. So those kids that were watching that at 10, by the time that movie comes out, they're going to be 14, 15. So they're going to be in that teenage, yeah, I'm really cool kind of thing. And they know, because Marvel have done this, that Ant-Man is with the Wasp. They, that is what Marvel have said in all their new iterations. So... It would seem strange to me, bearing in mind how well Marvel have played everything else up to this point, if that wasn't the case. But then, you know, you've got the issues that surround that. Wow, I totally managed to out myself as a massive Marvel geek at that stage. <laughs> really? Maybe there no point there had been so few clues. <laughs> maybe maybe the, the inevitable sequel will be the Wasp, you know, or whatever. Maybe there'll be a... Yeah. Uh, anywho, uh, that, uh, I think that possibly does us if we've got down to the point of arguing about whether the Ant-Man movie will feature Janet. Well, I think uh, another place I, you could go to argue about the, the value of an Ant-Man movie might be our Facebook page, Leo. <laughs> yes, that would be a great place to go. Why do you think people all about that? Well, I, cover I will do, Leo, right now. Because if you go to Facebook forward slash Revenge of the 80s Kids, and that's 80s as a number, so it's 80s, uh, you can go there and like our page. It is our community hub, and we want to grow, um, much like uh, Marvel's bank balance. And um, <laughs> and Ant-Man! <laughs> and Ant-Man. Uh, bizarrely, rather big and Anyway, yes, yeah, so please go there. Please like our page. This is our community hub. We put up our podcast there. We put links to interest there. Occasionally discussions happen. Please go there and like us. We want to be liked. But if podcast is your thing, podomatic. Podomatic is a place to go, so please point your browsers towards 80s Kids, that's 80s as in letters, so E-I-G-H-T-I-E-S kids.podomatic.com Please go there and subscribe to our podcast using your podcast aggregator of your choice or download your PC for dark reasons of your own. But this is not the only place that we, the kids, are found on the internet. Is it, Leo? No, no, uh, you can find uh, an archive of some of our older shows which do not appear in the uh, RSS feed. Um, and in fact, there's about to be a bit of a cull so that November can be cleared out for Ian to go exclusive in, in posting up the shows. So, you know, get them from here, uh, which is leostableford.blogspot.com, which can also be accessed as www.leostableford.com. Both lead to the same place, and that place is the archive of all the older 80s kids shows for your perusal, downloading and enjoyment. Uh, I'm also doing a fairy tale blog uh, this year, a Bridgetown Tales blogspot.com um, and that's that's rubbing along quite nicely I'm just putting the uh, finishing touches to the last episodes now uh, again in time to clear out for November um, and some of the early uh, works are illustrated uh, by uh, that's me uh, and you can find examples of that and other work uh, on my DeviantArt page Justin Wyatt W-Y-A-T-T um, and so that is it. We have we have now effectively stuck a fork in in the uh, long summer of 2013. Um, and uh, obviously, I think it's inevitable that we probably have higher hopes for the summer of 2014 after that parade of of after, and disappointment. Well, again, the shard and Floyd have had about the fact that Lone Ranger has died. Did um, you go well, and well, see the Lone Ranger? Oh, my parents went and saw the Lone Ranger. I went to see uh, Lone Ranger, and it was good. I enjoyed it. Right. Yeah. It was good. 
I, I mean, that, that, he wouldn't have featured in that five because I knew that it wasn't really, you know, most people oh, didn't yes. consider that. Yeah, I mean, but I, but it, I thought it was good fun. I mean, yeah, honourable mentions go to, you know, obviously the world's end. I knew that wasn't going to make the top five. Um, but yeah, uh, White House Down, which I know died the death. Um, and the Lone <laughs> Ranger uh, and the Wolverine, which clearly, I mean, I don't think he died, but obviously he didn't make the top ten. But these are things that were enjoyable. But I mean, that's the weird thing. I mean, this, I, if I was going to pick my favourite top five of the summer, I don't think that the five would be what they are. I mean, I'd probably cut Fast and Furious Six, Star Trek Into Darkness, and Man of Steel straight out and put other things in their place. So. What I personally enjoyed about the summer is in no way reflected in the box office. Whereas I think, you know, if I, if I went back to 2012, um, which I'm, I'm with the power of Wikipedia, I'm doing quite quickly now. We have uh, The Avengers, Skyfall, Dark Knight Rises, The Hobbit, and I said, oh, again, only the Marvel property is really one of my favourites of 2013 uh, in that list. So, yeah, okay, so apparently... Um, yeah, it doesn't. In no way does the box office reflect what I personally enjoyed about it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I think, I think the important thing we can all take away from this is that After Earth was terrible and this oh, yes. seen by no one. Um, I, I would like to at some point see the box office. I've managed to put After Earth six from the bottom. I believe that possibly Mortal Instrument, City of Bones, The Lone Ranger, Percy Jackson, Kick Ass 2, and White House Down all did worse than After Earth. Because, wow. because I know that they were famous bombs. Uh, because they pulled a fast one with After Earth. They didn't mention it was directed by M. Night Shyamalan and Ding Dong. They did, you know, uh, and so I guess people were fooled. <laughs> I know, I don't, I, that's not true. I've just on my list, I, I believe that those films did worse. Every film that I know famously tanked has come under After Earth. And everything that did badly but didn't tank goes over After Earth because After Earth is the, the top, top I think that's the top grossing tanker but when oh. you have a list that is after the six movies long of things that absolutely died a hideous yeah. and painful death at the box office for one summer that's quite a lot I yeah. yeah well yeah that, that's apt to, that does sum things up really my feelings on on the summer but uh, you know let's look forward positively to uh, next year <laughs> Yes. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us for the Happy Happy Sunshine podcast. <laughs> I've been Theo, and I'm saying goodbye. I'm Ian, and I'm going away now. I've uh, I've thrown all my my battle suits away, and I'm walking off into the distance. Some who might suspect we put way too much effort into that. <laughs> bit that goes before. I actually rolled a d20. <laughs> well, I didn't realise you were a method actor. Yes, we, uh, Justin <laughs> adheres to the method, so there we go. Right, so, must be what resolve should be. So, uh, how'd the pencil thing go last week? Oh, fine. Okay, good. Moving on.